Welcome and hello. You're listening to Song Stories, Quiet Stories. This is podcast episode 11, Winter Brown Noel. I am your host, Carolyn Merced. In previous episodes, I've always had or pretended to have a special guest with me. That isn't the case today. The Christmas stories and the songs you'll hear will be my own. As I write this, the month of December is half over. Thanksgiving came earlier this year, and many folks put their Christmas decorations up the day after that, or even a few days before then. My husband and I have been married quite a while now, and through the years have accumulated several containers full of strings of lights, garlands, and ornaments, some of which the kids and I made when they were younger. Our nest is empty now. Our three daughters who decorated the house very joyfully and festively when they lived at home have married and moved away now. My husband and I just recently took the boxes and bins down from the shelves in the garage where they then sat in the dining room for a few days while I summoned up the courage to open them. Spread the cheer and let 
Christmas is and could be a time of rejoicing. I say could be because not everyone has loved ones or friends close by. Not everyone has the budget to accommodate buying and giving gifts. Not everyone is in good health, either mentally or physically. Two of my kids and their families will be relocating and moving in just a few weeks, which can be stressful any time of the year. Do you give yourselves too much to do at this time of year and get overwhelmed? I'm guilty of that. I have a lot of interests and sometimes sabotage my efforts at staying healthy and then get sick and depressed when I can't tackle my big projects. It wasn't until I climbed over that wall of gloom that was right in front of me for a few weeks that I could even resume writing this again. If you can relate to this song, just know you're not alone. It's been a long time since I've been down like this When I've come back, tell me what I've missed The wind's not blowing, the sky is clear I'm just not showing any interest here I don't feel like doing this, I don't feel like that I don't know at least some so now you all know where I'm coming from I'm from the wallow inside of town you don't need to listen or follow me around you haven't seen me smile you might have seen a frown I'd really like to get myself above Did you ever have that time when you only felt numb? Well, now you all know where I'm coming from. I'm from the wallow inside of town. You don't need to listen or follow me around. You haven't seen me smile. Get myself up off the ground I've been wallowing, wallowing, wallowing down That hollow will follow till you feel like a clown So I am climbing over this wall of gloom So look for me Smile.
Born in Southern California, and as my older siblings approached their teen years, my parents decided they didn't want to raise us kids in a big city. So we relocated to my Hispanic mother's much smaller hometown of Taos, New Mexico, where my parents had met a decade and a half earlier. We were already familiar with the town and the culture because every summer before we moved there, my mother and sisters and brother and I traveled by train from Los Angeles to the train station at Lamy, near Santa Fe, where a relative would pick us up and drive us north to Taos, where we'd spend a good deal of every summer. When we moved there, we lived with Grandma Tila and Grandpa Trujillo for a few months. I enjoyed gathering the eggs from their chicken coop until my dad converted it into an office for his new plumbing business. When I started the second grade in the fall and got my first Big Chief writing tablet and number two lead pencil, I noticed that all of the kids had a Spanish accent, whether or not they were of Hispanic descent. My parents had often spoken Spanish to each other when they tried to have a private conversation in front of us kids. When mom tried teaching us Spanish, we told her, you talk funny. Of course, we regret that now. Even though we didn't speak it well, we kept the secret that we could understand their private conversations. But I didn't ever hear them speaking Spanishly about Christmas presents. My younger sister, Lori, was a snoop. Mom and Dad did their Santa shopping in Albuquerque early in December and hid the unwrapped presents in places that would have been hard for me to find. Not that I would have ever searched for them. Lori always looked for and found them and then came and showed me what we were getting. Sometimes she'd even unwrap her presents that were under the tree. So mom's taping empty paper towel rolls to each side of the Barbie box in order to disguise the contents did no good because my sister was expert at peeling off the scotch tape, uncovering enough of the wrapping paper to see what was inside, then wrapping the present back up again. Our church held the Christmas pageant every December. Lori got to be Mary one year. Our little sister and brother, Sherry and Kevin, were angels in the pageant. I was too lanky or old that year. I was teased at school for being one of the tallest in my class. At Taos Elementary, P.E. Day was only one day a week, the only day of the week when girls were allowed to wear pants. In the fifth grade, my only P.E. outfit was a matching jacket and polyester pants set, the color of a pea pod. And because I was tall and wore those green clothes, my nickname became Jolly Green Giant. Because of the popular TV commercial at the time, advertising canned and frozen peas. That Christmas of 1968, the fifth grade was in charge of the school program. 
there were three or four fifth grade classes and having a live nativity for the school program was not unusual or incorrect politically in those days. I was chosen to play Mary. Now, this was unusual because the predominant religion in Taos was Catholicism, and I was a Mormon, a half-Hispanic Mormon. My mom sewed a white gown for me, and my teacher, Isabel Gonzalez, borrowed a blue veil with shiny gold stars glued to it. As I walked across the gym floor with my classmate, Billy, who was playing Joseph, I bent my knees as I walked because I was so much taller than he was. My gown was long enough and billowy, and I hoped nobody would notice that Mary walked like she had rocks in her shoes. My friends Merlinda and Francina were the angels and stood inside the stable next to me and the baby Jesus doll sleeping in the manger. The 81 other fifth graders were the choir on three rows of bleachers that, during the junior high basketball games, were reserved for the opposing team and their fans. The choir wore white shirts or blouses with green or red crepe paper collars and bows, and each child held a white taper candle stuck through a circle of cardboard covered with tin foil that caught the dripping wax. The lights were dimmed and the candles were lit one by one. It was a beautiful and magical program. The choir sang the religious Christmas songs that everyone is familiar with, along with the song, Entren, entren, peregrinos, peregrinos, from the traditional reenactment of Las Posadas that depicts Mary and Joseph traveling to Bethlehem and finding a place for lodging and for her to deliver the baby Jesus. Because I can't remember the rest of that song, listen to this one I wrote a few years ago that tells the Christmas story. Ooh, the shepherds saw the angels while tending to their sheep. They heard the jubilation that woke them from their sleep. They heard fear not, fear not, good tidings we bring. For unto you is born this day a tiny newborn king. Gloria, Gloria. So hasten o'er to Bethlehem, go quickly
the honor to portray Mary, made up for being called the Jolly Green Giant that entire school year, and the next. My dad was raised in northern Utah. His dad died right before we moved to Taos in 1965. He was only 59. My grandmother Ida Chatwin was also 59 when she became a widow and never remarried. She was a hard-working woman who cared for women who were brought to her home during the day. It was difficult when those women's health started to decline, and the more frail they became required more strength from Grandma. In addition to being a caregiver, she also tended her flower garden and kept her grounds immaculate. She was a gracious hostess, keeping a frozen chocolate cake and packaged sugar cookies on hand to serve guests. She sent us $2 inside a store-bought card for each of our birthdays, and every Christmas filled a box that was at least three and a half feet tall with gifts for my parents and each of us six children. We always chuckled when we opened the box full of wrapped gifts because she wrapped them in tissue paper that you could see through, and she made no effort to disguise the dress shirts from my dad or my brother. She dressed elegantly, and bought her clothes at the local second-hand thrift store. And that is probably how she could afford to send loads of gifts to her three children and their families. Her favorite color was pink. Her bedroom, living and dining rooms were pink, bright pink. She was dainty and held up a pinky finger as she drank from a teacup. Our family didn't visit at Christmas time, but one year, my husband and I drove her to Taos for Christmas. This 
was not a relaxing journey for her because of the foot of snow on the roads and the slow traveling at the Tierra Amarilla Pass, about an hour and a half from Taos, where we rescued a stranded driver whose car had slid off the road and into a snowbank. She sat on the edge of the back seat of our car, asking every little while, How much longer? And is this Espanola? She was so proud of my dad, who was a clever and a creative man. One year, he rewrote the classic Christmas poem for our family's card and letter. Twas the week before Christmas, when all over Taos, faroles were burning on top of the house. People were shopping with giving in mind, but the Chatwins, as usual, were way far behind. A sparkling new house was their gift to be, but it wasn't quite finished, the weather, you see. With Wally found working till midnight and past, the families all saying, how long will this last? There's mothers to shop for, says Nora quite sternly, and we want our Christmas tree, the kids say firmly. So Wally steps back in a moment's reflection. We can't possibly make it for final inspection. Besides, tis a season to be merry and jolly, and work, work, work can soon become folly. So, house, you can wait till the first of the year while we send out this greeting to ones held so dear. May our love to you, expressed at this time, exceed our ability to put things in rhyme.
Chatwin kids grew up and eventually married, and as our own kids arrived, no matter where in the country we lived, we made the effort to spend holidays with our parents. We began the Christmas Eve tradition of having our kids and their cousins dress up as Mary and Joseph, the angels, shepherds, and wise men. One memorable year, our Melissa was Mary, Tyler, a wise man, and our 15-month-old Kevin, who refused to walk and only crawled, was baby Jesus. We thought he'd be the most likely of the younger kids to cooperate since he wouldn't walk yet. So we wrapped him in swaddling clothes and placed him in a basket manger. Okay, kids, Grandpa Wally is going to read the Christmas story from the Bible. Go and wait by the stairs until he reads about your character. Then when he's finished reading, stay in front of the Christmas tree because we're going to take some pictures. As my Melissa and Tyler and their costume cousins adorably stood still for the photo-taking session in front of the tree, baby Jesus kept escaping and crawling away giggling. Then we'd capture him, wrap him up again, only for him to crawl out of the cocoon of a blanket to his freedom. We should have wrapped his arms inside the blanket. Through the years, as my family and my brothers and sisters' families grew in number and in age, we eventually began to stay in our homes and establish new traditions of our own and take turns inviting our parents to spend the holidays with us. Now, my mom wasn't happy about that, understandably, and I completely get her now that my kids and their families want to do the same thing. This next song not only refers to the decades of Christmases Rich and I and our kids have had here in the southern part of Utah, where it rarely snows, but refers also to the mental adjustment to possibly spending Christmas without our kids and their young ones and little ones, escaping from our swaddling bands and into their freedom. This new stage of life with my husband might always feel new. Mr. Snowman in a rat 
Christmas. Ooh. Go and build your snowman too. I've got enough of happy stuff to sing jingle bells with you. May the remarkable gift of the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and the wondrous gift of His Atonement three decades later shine on your everything and make you feel all right. You've just listened to Song Stories, Quiet Stories, Episode 11, Winter Brown Noel. Grandma Tila will be here next time with more stories, stories about Grandpa Trujillo, stories about saving lives, Please make the time to write about your holiday traditions for whichever ones you may observe and find new ways to celebrate them. You won't always be in this current stage of your life. Please subscribe now at mycarolynmerset.com or at iTunes or Google Play. I am your host, Carolyn Merset.